Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, on this day, we lift our hearts and our voices to you, and we recognize that what we are encountering is evoking fear, anxiety, and that there are real problems that need real solutions. And so, we pray that you would give wisdom to our health authorities, to scientists who are studying um, uh, how to make a vaccine, how to help us. And also, we know that you are renewing all things. And so, Jesus, we ask you to come. We ask you to come and restore all things. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, things progressed quite quickly last weekend, uh, or last week. You know, we were Wednesday prepared to send out communication to all of you, um, inviting you to wash your hands and, um, and to make arrangements if you were uh, ill to not join our gatherings. But by Thursday evening, everything had changed, and we've all experienced all of that. Some very kindly have asked me how I'm doing, and leading our faith community through this. That's very kind of them. And I just want to say thank you for praying for us and our leadership as we invited you to. I have felt just the peace of the Lord um, and felt the presence of the Lord through all of this and also have sensed his real guidance, which gives me confidence that no matter what we walk through as a church community or what we walk through um, in our nation, in our world, that God, he has grace for us, and he has um, wisdom for us. But at such a time as this, there is um, great uncertainty and potentially fear about what comes next and what the future looks like, and none of us know. It could be that next year, next uh, week, we, life is, you know, relatively normal, but now we've been interrupted. And since we have, we've got some soul searching to do. And over the next couple of months, the debate could be um, whether or not the current measures taken were an overreaction or if these present inconveniences prohibited a wider epidemic. Um, Or maybe we will discover that we were all doing too little right now. And as we look back upon today, those those would be the good old days before we knew how bad things really could get. The reality is we cannot accurately predict the future. We can envision scenarios and we can make even the best plans for a preferred future, but none of us cannot make a future happen. In times like what we are in right now, it is best for us to look back um, upon the past and gain wisdom from the throngs of humanity who have endured such disruptions as these and far worse. So we look to history. And as we look to history, we might find that we are indeed in a history-making moment, a pivot, a time in which the future citizens of the world will look back upon and draw upon our wisdom and our responses. We can be remembered for wisdom, courage, and faith, or we could be remembered for foolishness, fear, (laughs) and panic. I know which ones I want to choose, and I invite you into it. Today, let's take 
up an ambition to be wise, courageous, full of faith as we shape history together. And as we do this, we draw upon our nature, which is shaped in the image and likeness of God. This God who sent his own son into the midst of broken human history, a God who empowers the weak. So if you feel weak weak this morning, he empowers you. A God who subverts the prideful. As you notice, the pride of humanity and people thinking, I know better than they know. God subverts the prideful. And in the end, he will be victorious. So let's look at history together. And what I refer to this morning might seem a bit extreme in comparison to our current struggle, but I encourage you not to be distracted by that, but rather to allow some history to inform us. So today we are going to look at one of my favorites, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So much to learn from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He chose biblical wisdom over the folly that was around him. Rather than, listen, rather than just making it through tough times in which he found himself living, he allowed hardship to sharpen his mind as he pursued God over the things of men. And so today we will look at Dietrich Bonhoeffer's choice of wisdom over folly. And I think we'll find ourselves here a little bit. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer developed this wisdom that he had through trial. As a young pastor in Germany in the 1930s, he opposed Hitler. Long before the war, long before the heinous crimes of genocide, and long before anyone associated Hitler with ultimate evil, I just say Hitler and you think evil, Bonhoeffer discerned. He discerned that the church in Germany was weak, that they may have been smart in their heads theologically, but their hearts were far from God. And so Dietrich, over the time, allowed this pressure to give him wisdom and discernment. And so he created his own seminary called Finkenwald. <laughs> you can have fun saying that word all day long now, <laughs> Finkenwald. There at this seminary where he would train young emerging pastors, he had high expectations of his students. The students were all expected to rise early and to read scripture for themselves and it's invite scripture to speak to their hearts, not just to their brains. They routinely sang songs of worship, which were not just formal hymns, but were actually spiritual songs that Bonhoeffer had learned um, by, while being with the African-American community here in the United States. Together, the seminarians regularly practiced the ways of Jesus in their community. They avoided gossiping about each other. They took time for deep prayer together. And in the afternoon, they would relax together by hiking, playing soccer, enjoying board games. And then the evening hours were dedicated to more scripture. I wonder that if some families might have some Bonhoeffer-like experiences in the coming weeks and months. And I would encourage you, don't gossip. <laughs> Let's be Bonhoeffers. <laughs> don't gossip. Read the scriptures and play together. So Finkenwald was a far departure from the academic institutions where pastors were trained. These seminarians were trained in formal classrooms with long theological lectures and mounds of intricate abstract theology. <laughs> it was mostly academic training, but Dietrich 
with his school modeled an actual apprenticeship to the ways of Jesus. He saw the church seems to be weak. And in the midst of this pressure and these things that are happening, he recognized we can do something about this. He allowed wisdom to be birthed in the midst of a difficult time. But because it was so different, he was, saw, he was, he was seen as being the fool. <laughs> he was seen as being outlandish. So few joined him in his opposition, but through Finkenwald and his influence, he continued to nurture strong faith that enabled him to fight against evil, the evil of the Third Reich, even until the time of his death by hanging at the hands of the Nazis in 1945. All the way through the end, he was focused on his faith. Finkenwald was so different that even one of his friends came to ask him, hey, settle down. Hey, isn't that, okay, you're singing songs, you know, isn't that, that's a little weird. (laughs) You guys are living together, isn't that? They asked him to settle down. And so, in answering the opposition of his friend, Dietrich took him by boat across the lake, and then a short hike up a hill. And from the top of the hill, they could see on one side a Nazi training camp. And then down the other, lowly, humble Finkenwald. Nazi soldiers being prepared through rigorous training to perpetuate the twisted ideals of Nazism. Finkenwald, humble, learning, and dedicated to the way of Jesus. Dietrich to his friend, who was opposed and afraid that he was being seen as the fool, (laughs) said to his friend, this, Finkenwald, must be stronger than that, the Nazi training camp. Said this must be stronger than that. And they travel back in silence. Bonhoeffer had made his point. He was smart enough and wise to allow the pressure of Nazi Germany to refine his wisdom in training Christian leaders. We are experiencing pressure too. This present crisis can be the very vehicle of our transformation. Pastors across America have been praying that the church could be strengthened. And now, as a result of the fallen world and this difficulty, we have opportunity to allow this, to sort us, to try us, to strengthen us. Of course, we can learn through happy times, and maybe we would all prefer we would sign up to learn and grow and be strengthened through happy times. Like, we would love it if going to the coffee shop made you actually get into shape. <laughs> we would all choose that, if that, but it doesn't work. We have to walk through something that creates struggle. We're in that time, and I believe that God is calling to the church, be strengthened through this time. Actually, we don't like it, but it's the way it is. We learn through discipline, and this is all through Scripture. Yeah. So, Hebrews says this. Chapter 12, verses 11 through 13. The writer says, No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. And we all say, yeah. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. We're going through difficulty. 
The instruction is so. Take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. This is God's heart for us in this time, that we would become strong in Jesus Christ, that we would allow this time of disruption to strengthen us in this swift change that we are experiencing. Let's consider what we can learn and what we can grow into. Let's emerge from the season spiritually stronger and better prepared to deal with what is most important in life. Have you noticed that your priorities are already being sifted? You're already being shown opportunities to consider what is really important. Don't miss this opportunity to be strengthened because this has to be stronger than that. This present difficulty will not be the only difficulty that we go through and we have an opportunity now to allow this time to make us stronger so that we can be shining bright Light, citizens of heaven in this world that so desperately needs light and hope. This is God's heart for us. Somebody say amen. All right, there's like seven people in here, so the rest of you have to say it too. Yeah, okay. Or comment it. All caps, please. All caps, comments only. All right. Some particular thoughts about some of the changes that we are enduring. First of all, sports are canceled. (laughs) I know. (laughs) We can't play them, and we are sad. We can't watch them, and we are sad. Man, as a pastor, I have watched families serve the lowercase God of sports. Maybe rather than lament right now, we need to be thanking God that he has disrupted something that, cannot, that is worshipped as an idol, and every idol will not produce what it promises. Our commitment to God and to his church and to one another needs to be stronger than our commitment to sports. So while sports are being canceled, and we can't even watch them, let's evaluate Maybe it's time for some families to recognize that the priorities of their life have been skewed by the pull of the world. And God is wanting to realign us during this time. What a gift that we've been interrupted. Next, life has slowed way down, and some of us are going to get antsy soon. (laughs) Particularly, I mean, if we do get quarantined. Which, by the way, as health officials make recommendations for us, We are trusting that God is using their authority and wisdom to help us. So let's serve well. Let's shut our mouths. (laughs) Thinking that we all know better than what our public health officials do. We should be very careful with that. But life is slowing down. So perhaps, even if we feel antsy, even if we feel restricted, it is time to strengthen what is most important. Our dedication to God and to our neighbors. (laughs) I don't know my neighbor. Maybe now you have a chance because everybody's home. (laughs) While others will be complaining about the government reacting too much or too little, we have in this slowdown time an opportunity to be salt and light. Jesus says that you, Christ follower, are the salt of the earth, that you are the light of the world, and you have an opportunity to flavor every conversation, online conversation, Every family text message thread, 
you have an opportunity to flavor that. I encourage you that the Holy Spirit wants to give you and birth within you patience and grace and kindness with others. Older translations use this word long-suffering. The Holy Spirit is wanting to do that. I encourage you, avail yourself of what the Holy Spirit can produce within you so that in the midst of these challenges and these difficulties, you are truly salt and light. I encourage you, watch your tongue and, well, watch. I didn't say wash. Maybe that's one of the regulations too. I don't know. Watch your tongue and watch your fingers. Rather than, oh, here's an idea too. I think Christians should be the last ones that are hoarding all the teepee. (laughs) Give some away. Maybe even this week in faith, not fearing that you'll never be able to wipe your bum again. That just got spread to the whole world. That's great. (laughs) Maybe give in faith some of your toilet paper to someone who needs some. Next, food seems scarce. wow, this is really an interesting time. It's an opportunity to be thankful and grateful for the Lord's provision. You might recall that the children of Israel in the book of Exodus were being led out of slavery and into the promised land. And God gave them manna day by day to live by. And, for that, and that manna was supposed to sustain them day by day. And they could never get more than that day's worth. God was teaching them something. He was teaching them that he was their provider. He was the one who would provide for them and that they could not trust even in their own storing up of provisions. There's something for us here as well. That is, we cannot fully secure our own future. We will never be able to. It's an opportunity for us to trust God again, that he will be our day-by-day provider. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We are not created to be our own providers. We do not have to live in fear of not having enough. We can trust God, even if it means going without. Let's choose to see this opportunity as a chance to grow in gratefulness for food. Well, the kids are at home. (laughs) This is a This is a change. We have summer vacation in the middle of spring right now. That's what it feels like. And I just want to point out that for some, this is a real logistical or financial burden. And we have compassion. And over time, if there's things that we as a church community can do to help, um, we want to. But also there's an opportunity here for us to pause and consider Chris Bowlby, who who is our associate pastor, was feeding back a little bit. And he said this. He wrote, our culture has a tendency to encourage us to outsource the training of our children. And in this time, we have an opportunity to receive back in new and fresh ways the discipleship and maybe even the education of our own children. And then he gives this encouragement. Remember, your children remember these times for the rest of their lives for those of us who live in Oregon, you, you heard about the Columbus Day storm of the 1960s, and it was a moment that everybody remembered because everybody experienced it together. We are building memories now and allow one of those memories to be that you invested in your children. Donya will be giving some more ideas to our church family as we go through. 
And lastly, there's economic volatility. This is, an op- this is a pressure which, if we will allow it, will give us the opportunity to grow and be strengthened. Because remind you that this, our relationship with God, our strength, needs to be stronger than that. And this can help us. The market has, you know, fluctuated quite a bit because of um, the pandemic. And this is a fresh reminder for us that God is our provider and he is our sustainer. Again, Chris Bowlby wrote this. He said, it's easy to trust in month after month of compound growth. However, it is also much too easy to begin trusting in our economy to provide for our well-being. And then he wrote in all caps, and you you should write all caps, amen to this. He said, God is on the throne. The health of the economy, the health of the stock market has never been our provider. God alone is our provider. And in this time, we can freshly lean into that. For the one who is following Jesus, this is fundamental. But for the one who is living in a rich culture like ours, this is easy to forget. So it's time for that to be strengthened within us. God has given us a gift in this time, not the sickness. I'm not saying that God has caused this, but that in this fallen world, as this virus has emerged and everything is askew right now, this is a gift. It is a gift to be able to see some of the folly that we might be prone to. We can be remembered for wisdom, courage, and faith, or we can be remembered for foolishness, fear, and panic. Let's use this time to strengthen our spiritual acumen. This gift is like discipline. We don't like it. But you know what? We need it. Let's do it together. Here's some ideas. Here at New Hope, there's many people that are in community groups, and several of those community groups are still meeting um, during this time. Of course, if health officials suggest that that's not a good idea, we will respond to those appropriately. But here's some thoughts for those who are in community groups but to discuss with one another. Also, here's some thoughts for you and your family to consider or for you to individually process. So the first question is this. How do you feel about the word discipline? <laughs> what comes to your mind when you hear this word? Hmm. As if anything comes up that is negative or like God is just angry or something like that, I would encourage you to look back at Scripture. That what is it for? Number two, in your community group or with your family, lean into gratitude. What opportunities do you see during this disruption? In what ways do you feel God could transform you and your community? At some point this week, I encourage you to take three minutes of silence and ask, is there worry? Is there anxiety? It's understandable. But God wants to meet you in the midst of that. And a big step of faith might be for you to admit that to a community group or trusted friends or family. Admit that. Paul says to not worry. Jesus says, don't worry. But that's easier said than done. A part of how we walk away from worry and anxiety is to allow that burden to be carried by others. Next, we, uh, we encourage you to read Psalm 23. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Spend some time reflecting on God's ability to provide. And then ask yourself, how do you feel in light of the scripture? Is your heart like David's who is trusting God? Even at the end of that psalm, he says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That even in the presence of difficulty, he sensed that God was with him there and communing with him. Is that your response? And then finally, if you don't have one, we invite you to purchase a prayer journal. Um, a cheap notebook works just fine. This is going to be a season to be remembered. I've been taking some notes in my journal. <laughs> I journal like this. <laughs> That's what that is. <laughs> it's going to be remembered. Let's record our prayers so that we can see God answer them later. Let's take advantage of this time. Let's allow God to strengthen us. Well, Bonhoeffer allowed the press of what was happening in Germany and the world at the time to discipline his focus. And he allowed that pressure to sharpen his conception of what the good news of Jesus Christ is all about. And from what he has learned, we are still learning and growing his writings and his example of being willing to be even martyred for his faith because of his opposition to evil is something we can all learn from. During this time, we are being strengthened for what God has for us in the future. The point is, God, keep us from all the hard things. The point is not that. The point is, God, strengthen me for whatever I go through so that I can bring glory to your name, the God who is with us. Well, the team is going to lead us in one final song, and it's a song we've been singing here. It's called Make Room. And so in, in our life right now, we have an opportunity to make room for the Holy Spirit to do everything that he wants to do. Let's allow this song to guide us into this week for God to, to be able to make room to do whatever he would want to in our hearts. Please sing. Please sing.